0: What's going on everybody and welcome back to another episode of Wrapping with Reap Bum. I'm your host Keith Berkelhammer. So today I have the pleasure of welcoming back Rich Ross. What's going on there Rich? Everything's going on. How are you doing? <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Thanks for having I'm, me. Uh, I'm so psyched to have you back there uh, Rich. We're going to be talking about coral spawning at the uh, home lab but um Sweet. let me uh let me just give the folks a little bit of background on you if they don't know you rich has been in the aquarium industry and trade for many many years how many years would you say uh rich if you have a guess uh 45 oh man 45 Ah, maybe 40. 40? 40, closer to 40? 40. 40, 40 is probably more 40 reasonable. 40 is more reasonable. <laughs> he was a Massna Aquarius of the Year, has spoken at many industry conferences, including MACNA, written articles about the hobby, and has done some groundbreaking research, Rich also co-hosts the Reef Beef Podcast with Ben Johnson. I'm going to have Ben on next week. Most excellent. I had to split you guys up, man. You get a little too naughty sometimes on the show together. Mm-hmm. You
1: know, I can I-
0: the, the, sorry, i was sorry, actually sorry. reading some comments in one of the uh, the forums and um somebody's like you know they were talking about their favorite podcasts and live streams and all that stuff and uh one one dude said you know um everybody was talking about reef beef and one, one dude's like there's too much cussing in that show for me
1: <laughs> i under i understand that feeling
0: um rich also has a coral lab at home which he is using to spawn corals and that's what we're going to kind of dig in to um tonight but before we start chatting with rich i want to thank the sponsors of this show both Bulk reef supply and ecotech marine i really appreciate these companies supporting the show and i also appreciate all the support from you folks out there tuning in i see there's a bunch of you already in the chat as usual pre pleat Can't even uh, talk here. Please drop your comments and questions in the chat. We will do our best to get to them. So, uh, Rich, man, how long have you been involved with spawning corals? How far does this date back?
1: Um, The first spawn I ever saw was in 2011 in the Philippines. And um, we were there on expedition with the Academy, and it was me and Matt Wandell and another guy on a night dive. And um, I just met the people from Seacore that year, didn't really know anything. And as we were swimming around, uh, I started noticing a bunch of stuff in the water, didn't think much of it. Um, Swam around some more, there's more stuff in the water, didn't really. And then a minute or two later, I kind of went... Oh, dear. Because I never, it wasn't even on my radar. You know, in 2011, coral spawning was a thing you saw, you know, on David Attenborough programs, and that was it. It, You know, so I never even dreamt I would see it. Um, And then the three of us in the water kind of realized what was happening and all started screaming at the same time. And uh, it was very exciting. And then um, with the uh, and then I worked with C core and I was, you know, I was in Florida and I've been to St. Croix for working on spawn stuff and restoration stuff. And then in 2018, uh, Rebecca Albright came on at the Academy and set up and we set up the coral spawning lab. So I've been doing, and uh, Jamie's paper, sorry, always have to mention Jamie Craggs and his, and the paper, I think it was 2015. Um, he really, uh, figured out what to do and made it happen. And, um, so then in 2018, we did it at the Academy. And so I've done it every year since 2018, except for one.
0: Can, can you give us the clip notes in terms of what Jamie um, had done at that point or what he was doing?
1: Jamie uh, uh, figured out how to use the Apex season table. This is really what it all um, hinges on right now. Um, and then as well. And so he used that to program his system to simulate what happens in the wild during a spawn and actually through the whole year. So he put in, um, I think he got corals from Singapore was the first place he did. So he made his tanks at the Horniman, um, to be like that, it, uh, both in sunrise and sunset and, uh, moonrise and moonset. And when the new moon comes up and, um, I'm missing one. Oh, and then uh, no, sunrise, sunset, moonrise, moonset, new moon, and temperature. Okay, right. So that's the four main ones, and uh, he did that, and it worked uh, with some caveats. And then we were off to the races, and uh, thanks to him, it's happening in a lot of places uh, in research. And uh, so in 2020, I decided that I wanted to do it here in the house because I want more hobbyists doing it. Because we're going to figure out stuff that research people aren't going to work out. Because mostly, we have a system that works now. So the the goal is not to make the system better. The goal is to get the things to spawn so you can do the work you want to do with the larvae. That's the goal. Um, Hobbyists are going to tweak it and change it and make it work in ways that researchers won't think of because we don't have the same goal. Uh, We have any goal we want with spawning we can have, which I'm thrilled about. I mean, already, um, finally we've gotten Sanjay on board and he's just going to put a schedule up on his tank. And that's what I think everybody should do. Um, put a schedule, a spawning schedule on your tank and just see what happens. So you're talking about
0: a, a specific lighting schedule to, to, to try to get corals to spawn.
1: Yeah. And it's a, it's a lighting, a heat. These are the things we think are important. Lighting, heat, uh, temperature, sorry, and um, moon phases. Those are the important things. And um, so Sanjay had questions You know, we had never thought of, and so it was great. So we came up with some new stuff, and we'll see what it works. I'm, I'm and, curious,
0: what kind of questions did Sanjay have that you guys hadn't thought well, of?
1: Traditionally, we, um, everyone just uses what Jamie came up with because it works, yeah. right? So, and what that is, is there's three profiles on the Apex that we use sunrise midday and sunset and that um correlates to what the season table is doing the, the apex decides when sunrise is and then uses a profile for 30 for x amount of minutes and then it switches the profiles throughout the day um but this ensures that the sunrise and sunset happens when you want it to right um sanjay wanted five steps instead of three because he wanted it to kind of fit what he already does. Um, So we had to kind of figure out how to make that work. And it really, Jamie was the person who figured out how to do that because uh, that's some weird um, programming that uh, nobody really uses. Um, and, and, but now we have a now we have a five-step uh program if anybody wants and, to and i'm that.
0: assuming that apex is not the only controller that you can utilize to get corals to spawn right it could be uh it could be a ghl Proflux, it could be um a uh whatever I, controller i don't think no. so
1: the only the only thing i've seen that coordinates it all in a way that makes it work has been the apex hmm. and the season table now fortunately this only nuts want to use the season table. You can't even really get to it unless you go to local and kind of know where things are. Um, uh, Is that true? You could go to local, you can find it. There's some sheets (coughs) that will read out what actually your system's going to do every day for every month. You need to know that address, but but that's easy to find too. Um, So as far as I can tell, there's no other system that will do the heat and the moon and the daylight.
0: Interesting. So uh, I wonder in the future of manufacturers are going to, um, you know, kind of try to raise the bar a little bit and and uh, offer up that that functionality, you know, so yeah, more I, people that don't have APEX can do that.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at hobbyists uh, to figure it yeah. out. Somebody make a reef pie with a zero to 10 output that you can tell to do different things. So, you know, I suppose if we could do the lights and the moonlight separately, you could do the temperature with the APEX. But that makes your life a little harder, because what 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 we the main benefit, well, there's several main benefits, but the main benefit to doing spawning at home is you can have the spawn happen whatever time of day you want it to have happen, right? So you don't have to wait till two hours past sunset. So. Um, And that's what the Apex does. And so you just change your time setting and everything else changes. You don't have to change a million things. You change one thing. So, most of the, you know, now that everything in the lab behind me is on uh, a spawning table, a season table, um, I actually slide it around to match up more with uh, what the natural world is doing where I live. So it's not getting crazy, you know, it's not dark until 10 in the morning in the tanks. Right. Might as well come up. Might as well be closest to the sunset. Right. And the sunrise. Although it doesn't seem to matter so much. Well, the temperature and this seems to be important for developing the gametes in the coral. But really the you know, the idea of keeping the corals dark and away from light pollution is really only the two or three months leading up to the spawn. You can kind of ignore it the rest of the year. So I mean we've learned so much. it's insane how much we've learned and I think as soon as hobbyists get more involved we'll learn more it's just like clownfish you know we knew how to breed clownfish for 10 years you know in 1990 but then around 2003 all of a sudden people started doing it and now it's you know it became nothing so quick right. uh, I don't think this is going to be that nothing uh, there's a little bit more to it but what do I know you know maybe someone else will figure out a way to make it happen five times a year with the same corals where now we'd think maybe once or twice maybe a year you could do it with the same corals um,
0: rich let's mention this uh, before I forget there is a, uh, a link in the video description to um, resources right oh For coral, to the pet coral spawning resources.
1: I've been talking for a couple years about putting up resources so people had them available. And um, I kept putting it off because I kept changing my mind about things or, you know, not being unsure if I really had something useful to say. Um, and now I think I do. I, th- I think we have a better handle on it. Um, so I can give people a little bit more kind of pushes in the right direction with some basic information, uh, or some useful information. And it's it's uh, it's pretty hodgepodge right now, um, but it will it will develop. And I, I what it turns out is I think there's like five steps t- about what you care. The first one I, I'm going to go over. I've never said any of this out loud.
0: This the is an exclusive. Is,
1: you mean an exclusive to BUM. Uh Anytime you frag a coral, you should be ch- and I'm just talking Acropora or Acropora. What do we say? Acropora I say Acropora, Acropora
0: but some people say Acropora.
1: Um every time you frag, look for eggs.
0: So what what do right? you look, what kind of eggs are you looking for? I mean you've got uh, acroweeding acro flower worm eggs. I mean, are those similar looking?
1: No. So it, it has to be when you frag. So when you've broken a branch, you can look in both sides. Yeah. See, this is great. I will put pictures of this. There are pictures you can find them, you know, in Jamie's paper or in any of, I think some of the links I have on my on that website you were talking about has it. But, you know, uh, the part you generally glue down, you want to look at that before you so glue it down. You're talking about
0: like the center cut. You're inside the,
1: the broken where it's broken, okay. where the branch is broken. Okay. Anytime you can look into the skeleton, okay. uh, both from the from the parent and from the frag, you can look at both sides and see if you see eggs. Um, sometimes the eggs will be small and white and they'll just be eggs. And, um, sometimes they will be much more kind of peachy
0: colored and much bigger. Do you need a magnifying glass to identify these eggs?
1: Um, I like it. It makes my life a lot easier. Um, or I throw it on the, uh, to double check, I want to magnify it. Uh, so when I'm in the wild doing it, you know, collecting corals, I, I, have a magnifying glass and I look and it makes it super easy to tell. You don't need it though. I don't see color that well, so the <laughs> eggs don't often jump out at me. So I, I, I use a microscope or a magnifying glass. But maybe you guys can see them much better than I can. So that's 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 the first step. Anytime you frag check for eggs, and then if you get eggs, make a note of when it is because that's interesting information. Um, it's a, you know um, also it's important to note that. Um, spawning happens at different times in different places around the world, different times of the year. So it's not just like you can say November is spawning. You know, November and December seems to be Great Barrier Reef area kind of spawning. Mm. March is Palau. Um, you know, so the, uh, August is uh, Caribbean. Um, and that's – and it's different for all different corals. So, so that's step- – so- so, so
0: basically where the coral is from is that's the, the time of the year that it will be likely to spawn is like where it originates from. It, it will follow that. Maybe. Okay.
1: Maybe. Maybe. Right. It, uh, um, you can certainly phase change the coral to spawn whenever you want it <clears throat> to. That may take a year to make that <clears throat> happen. Um, but there's no reason that you can't transition a coral that normally in the wild spawns in August to make it spawn in another Uh, another month it just takes time
0: so all right a few um comments and questions in the chat here um rich sturgis reef do you have your profile available to the public
1: yeah that's all i that's on that website it's on the
0: website so okay in the link and
1: that is that is the main thing i put up there um that that i wanted to get up there And, and it's got a a graph of January through February a a table and it's got all the information and if you so currently and it's not described very well on the web page yet because I've just started putting it together Um, but like what Sanjay is doing is he's making um, he's just sliding the months around so his what's December on the table for Sanjay will be uh, May I think. So he's just slid. He's just rotated the months around.
0: Okay, that's Sanjay's down. being Sanjay there, right? He uh, he just yeah, wants well, to yeah tweak it based on what he right, wants to do.
1: That's the and that's the right thing to do. And one of the reasons he's doing that is to make his natural temperature swing that happens in his tank happen when it makes the most sense. Why should he heat and chill against yeah. nature where he lives? So he's kind of trying to make it sync up in a way that makes sense for where he is um which doesn't matter to me so much i'm in california so it's
0: kind of like i'm heating and cooling the same all year round depending yeah, yeah. so um brandon scott art um can the ecotech moon phase work
1: pro i don't know anything about how it can if you program it through the apex so i don't know what the ecotech moon phase does um, and, uh, so I don't know the answer to that question.
0: Yeah. Great bearded to also makes a comment. Um, GHL offers seasonal lighting simulation when paired with the Metras. So, um, you know, again, I guess the question is, can that, uh, you know, be included in the mix and, and potentially help, um, you know, in, in the, uh, in the spawning process. I don't know. I, I there's a I lot of have... unanswered questions, I guess, in terms of other things besides the apex, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I'd have to look at that stuff, um, and and I'm a little trapped now that I have a system that works. It's kind of like I don't see much of a reason to spend money on another system to see if it works. Um, so, if, But if anybody with any of those systems wants to talk with me about it, and we can get on a video chat and kind of share screens so I can see what's going on, maybe we can tell you what's going on. Um, I will say about the apex, the apex does some calculations a little bit differently than nature, which is to be expected. So, um, the spawns happen a little later than they would in nature. Um, and so also if you, so, so I find, I predict a spawning window when I think the spawning is going to happen. Right. And I am, um, crazy. So I do a long spawning window in case right? Because I want to find out more stuff. Um, so I, I'd like check for two weeks during a spawning month. And I'll check more if I have to, which actually got me to the F2s. I, I kept checking past my window, and they went. Um, so when you slide the months around, the, the, the months aren't the same length. So it does mess up the schedule a little mm. bit. But since you've done a spawning window... All you're doing is just checking during the window and you might extend the window a few days and, you know, you could do the math on the months and try to figure it out. Makes my head hurt when I do it um, and just make it work. <coughs> the other thing that could happen, I'm sorry, going back to what controllers are doing it. Yeah. Oh, no, I said it out loud already. Never mind. I said it. I don't need to repeat it again. I just realized I had talked.
0: talk. Um. What was going to say uh you just broke my train of thought dude you were uh, you were going someplace and i'm like all right i'm gonna listen to rich and i'm like I com- the thought completely uh yeah. oh um well let me, let, let's answer a question from jason langer um if if lighting has achieved coral spawning results does tidal surge slash flow based on lunar phases even matter he says he's asking for a friend <laughs> asking yeah. for a friend
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah he's trying to make me crazy um it, it uh People, when they first start thinking about it, uh, always want to say, does the tidal surge matter? Does the, um, does the gravity matter from the moon? And uh, I don't think so much because my stuff spawns. Remember, uh, um, mine spawn about 12 to 15 days after the full moon, where in the wild, they spawn about four or five, three to five days after the full moon. So my moon phases are totally crazy by the time my corals actually spawn. So we don't really know what's going on to make it happen. We just know that it works.
0: All right. Somebody's asking for the uh, website, and um, it is in the. Uh, see here. It it is in the uh, video description, but I just posted it in the chat, and I'm trying to pin it, but uh, something is getting in my way from yeah. pinning it. So um, yeah, I'll pin it as soon as I can pin it. But uh, the uh, the website link is there. Um, so the other question that uh, I saw after Jason's is uh, Lucas Turman is seasonal solar intensity important for getting corals to spawn. We, we thought it was at the beginning. And that was a thing that you would have to go into
1: the apex and change every week mm. to change the intensity. There was no way to automate it. And when um, everyone kind of uh, stopped doing it and. So no, I don't uh, don't care about that anymore. And they seem to spawn just fine. It's been year. It's been probably four years. Oh, really? Since I'm done with that. Yeah, maybe maybe more because remembering to do it is a little bit of a, a pain. It, it, it's funny making one thing make changing one piece of code every week
0: sounds like a pain. Uh, in the ass.
1: Becomes becomes like you know some horrible <laughs> taskmaster. Um, so. Yeah, the other thing that doesn't seem to matter is the color of the moonlight. The the blue moonlights. Um, actually, I've never made them white. You know, initially in Jamie's paper, he made them white and put uh, ca- uh, uh, ping pong balls on them. Um, and now I I just use the lunar simulation model. Uh, it also looks like that the brightness that uh, some of the um, that the like the skylights or the lunar simulation model does. Is probably just fine for making the spawn gotcha so it, it it may not be it's probably more of a timing than an intensity thing um but if you're worried you can put some masking tape over the moonlights or a ping pong ball or two over the moonlights. but um i don't really see any need to you know solder in new led bulbs or anything anymore it's just uh, we've moved along and you know figured out what works rather than what needs to be done anymore so that's pretty cool nice and that's why I want hobbyists to do it more. Yeah. Right. So so like I, I've I've just thrown so what we usually do in research <laughs> is we go and we get what we call gravids. So we, we go and we get corals about three months before the predicted spawn from the place that we are 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 mimicking in our system. And we do that because we you know, when somebody has paid $80,000 for a spawning facility, they want it to work now. Um, you know, they don't want it to work in a year and a half. Um, so you can go and get corals that, that are gravid and uh, get them a couple of three months before the spawn and they'll spawn for you. Um, so, but what I'm doing, what I had happen here is I had corals that I raised from gametes in 2020 spawn huge for me this year. So corals that have spent their whole life in my tanks, in, in these conditions, spawned amazingly for me this year. Wow. Um, so this year, uh, I'm getting some extra corals to spawn of a different species, but I'm getting them now. <laughs> and I'm going to let them ramp up for the year. Um, I'm not going to get Gravids this year, which is a first. But what that really means is...
0: A a gravid is...
1: A gravid is a coral that uh, has the the gametes ready to go. Or, you know, getting them ready. Um, In three months, you'd see white eggs. uh, Two months before, you'd probably see more orange-pink eggs. Um, But now I've just thrown my display tank on this this schedule as well. And so I'm actually going to slide that around... So my display tank would spawn in October. Um, So November, December, I can deal with what what I know I'm going to be able to breed. I have no idea if anything's going to go off in my display, and I have no idea if I have enough genetic diversity of anything to make it go, Um, to make it work. And it's important that the corals spawn synchronously. So when I get gravids, you get them. My rule of thumb is that you should collect them from at least 25 meters away. Um, to hope that they have different genetics because I don't have the ability at home to do genetics on my coral, to know that they're different genotypes, mm-hmm, yeah. right? That's, they won't self-fertilize, right? Um, and I, now, now, now you've derailed me by saying nothing <laughs> and, uh, I forgot what I was going to say.
0: Dude, dude oh, there's so, like, yeah, there's so, like a ton of questions that I'm trying, I'm trying to digest all the, uh, stuff in the chat. And I'm like, all right, I'm listening to Rich, but I'm also, you know. So um, I did want to say thank you to Polo One One Two Six for the uh, super chat. There's uh, super three chat. big stakes there, so uh, a call out to the uh, to the uh, Reef Beef. Um, Sweet. Yeah. Um, so did you re- did you, re- you regain your uh, train of thought?
1: I was talking about the the point I think I was driving at was just throw this schedule on your tank and uh see what happens that's the first step so
0: what uh all right go ahead that that that, that, that was all you were uh, okay. that's it um it, it's kind of hard to grasp i guess rich in terms of um you know coral spawning in in a uh, in a display tank you know let's say uh first of all do you have to be up in the wee hours of the morning to witness it or are you you know constantly kind of like fragging some branches off of corals to see if you could find the eggs which is a is a precursor to the um waterborne yeah. spawn is that uh...
1: yeah you would you would do oh and by the way if you see a spawn happening in your tank turn off your flow so you can see what's going on once the corals start to go they're gonna go so you don't need to keep the flow on Um, and then you can tell really quickly which coral is spawning. Are you
0: turning off return pumps or just the internal? I would,
1: I would turn off if you want to collect the spawn, which if you have a spawn, why wouldn't you collect some of it to see what's going on? Every little bit you do, um, gives you a skill for when you actually want to try it. Right. Um, so I think every little bit you can squeeze out of anything is, is useful. So yeah, I would turn off the return, um, because then every, otherwise they're just going to go over the sides. Right. Um, if you don't care, then leave the return on, but at least uh, turn off the most of your internal flow so you can see
0: what's spawning. And so if you're going to capture some of the eggs <clears throat> that are fertilized, right, in the water column, what are you going to do with them?
1: Well, the, they float up to the surface, <laughs> at least with Acropora. They come a sperm and egg bundle. So your life is actually pretty easy. Uh, I just use a cup and scoop them off the surface of the water. Okay.
0: Um,
1: then, yeah, each step is, a, is kind of a whole thing. <laughs> um,
0: do you need like a separate tank to do this?
1: You need th- – I don't do this in tank. I do this on a table with uh, fat separators and things like that, which you don't need to use. Um, and uh, I, I will try to get to each of these. Steps on the web page that I'm working on, um, and keep it up to date as as it goes. So, but your question is, you collect them, right? And then, you, what are you doing after you collect you, them? You collect them, and um, you want to separate the eggs and the sperm. So, uh, after half an hour or 45 minutes, the the bundles start to break apart, and you, if you're making soup, which is what I do. I don't care about doing individual crosses. I just collect all of the spawn from each species and put it all together. Right. And then I start um, diluting the sperm to make the sperm the right amount. It should be like a, a light lemonade looking color, which is infuriating and perfect. <laughs> um, it is the absolute right way to describe it. Because um, giving you a number about how much sperm there should be per milliliter, <laughs> no one can do that anyway. Um, you want it to be enough, not too much, not too little. And, um, then you, once you've got it to the right density, you leave it alone for about an hour, uh, let fertilization happen. And then you're on to the hard part. So, the, is, the is, is this
0: happening like in some sort of like container that you have, like a yeah. little uh, Tupperware container or something? I,
1: I do it in a, you know, like a gravy, a gravy separator. Um, it's what I learned on, uh, there are other ways to do it, I think, and I'm going to be looking at all that this okay. year, but what that does is the eggs float, yep. right? And then you can tilt. It's like a pitcher, except the stem is at the bottom of the cup. And so you pour that water out and the eggs stay at the top and the water level goes down. Huh. Right. Yep. And then you can add you know, more fresh water or more sperm water, whatever you want to do. And that's, that's where it happens. No flow at all. They just sit there. You just let them do it. And then you put them in, then there's several steps to the incubation. So hopefully then you have, uh, embryos, you have fertilized embryos. And for the first half a day, 20 hours, you want it to be really mellow. They're really fragile. Don't shake the baby. No, you know, um, if you, if you had a little bit of water flow from underneath, you know, we used to build these chrysals with the jets underwater so it would spin, but nothing would happen at the surface. I don't do that anymore. I make, do I have one? I might have one right here. Uh, no, in my effort to make my lab not insane, in my effort to make my lab not insane, I've moved you that clean, stuff outside. You cleaned up a little bit. It's uh, but it's just a plastic bucket with um, pool noodle floats on it, and a couple of windows cut into it with uh, 500 uh, micron mesh glued into it with a hot glue gun. Okay. And I put those in. I don't know if you guys can see it, but I have these tubs here. You can do it in a tank. I can't do it in my tanks anymore because I've got too many corals in the lab. What a terrible problem to have. <laughs> the spawning has been working. Um, and then I use a wave maker, J bow really, because the J bows somehow make magic waves easily. <laughs> Um, and I, and I, for the first 15 hours, I have it come on and just kind of move the bucket very slow, just a little bit and, 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 and then a little and, bit. And is
0: it, uh, it is lit by light at all. I could see the uh, bin behind you. No, it uh, oh, looks like it's illuminated.
1: Oh, well, now, now this different is uh, three months okay. later, totally different okay. phase. Um, so you just have them moving a little bit because what can happen mm-hmm. is they can stick to the, the embryos can stick to the sides. And then, because of the meniscus, they work their way up, kind of, and they dry out. Oh. And when they when that happens, then they foul, and then you can cascade and lose the whole culture. Oh. And that's a bummer. Yeah. Um, but after the first twelve hours or so, then you kind of turn up the the sloshing a little bit more because you want to you want to kind of then keep them clean. Um, And that goes on for six or seven days, depending. What
0: about temperature? Do you Uh, need to keep uh, the water heated at a certain temperature?
1: Yeah, I keep it uh, at the same temperature that they were spawned at, which is like 81. Um, But usually I drop the temperature in the parent corals as soon as the spawn is over, uh, down back into like 79, 80. I don't know what I have in the table. Let me see. Yeah. So in the table, you know, I'm not I'm not running my tanks at 83, 84 during the spawn because I've seen that be problematic. Mm-hmm. And that may be because they were gravids and they're not happy yet, and all that kind of stuff. But I, I see bad things happen, and I don't want bad things to happen, no. so I cool it down. Um, so I usually, your question was, where do you keep the developing babies? Keep them at like 80, 81, depending on where you know whatever they were spawned in. That's what I aim to keep that at.
0: And and so. Pretty much, you can have a a Tupperware container as uh, I guess a uh, holding bin for the next phase in terms of raising those embryos to um, to the next stage of life.
1: Yep, and and really once once they're not so fragile anymore, you can put air an air bubbler in there and move and keep them moving with a little bit of air. It does. It's not. You don't want it frothing. You just want some motion going on. Um, and I'll try to do videos of that for the page as well. You know, here's what I'm looking at at this stage. Um, and then they can just stay like that. You know, if you just want to do a few of them, that's great. You can you can do that.
0: And, and at what point do they actually turn into hard corals? I mean, how long does that take for them to develop the, um, you know, that skeleton?
1: Depending on everything. Uh, so so they become like a swimming little worm kind of looking really? thing. Really? Called a planula. Yeah, yeah. Huh. So... Um, um, yeah, corals swim around when they're baby. No shit. Wow. Yeah. So huh. the 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 embryos float in the water column. They develop, they start to elongate, they grow cilia, and then they start swimming and then they look for a place to settle. Then they settle and within like 24 hours they put down a skeleton. They put down they so much energy goes into that initial settling. It's it's
0: it's nuts. And then they
1: kind of have a skeleton.
0: So on a successful spawn, how many acros can you get out of a, a successful spawn? I mean, obviously, it depends in terms of the size of the, uh, the spawn and the, the tank that you're using for the uh, or you, that you're having the spawning event in. Right. But um, I, I guess uh, for for your um, home lab there, Rich, what uh, what is typical in terms of getting, you know, what what uh, how many hard, hard stony corals can you get out of a spawn?
1: Well, that's a weird question. Uh, with these mass spawning things, we kind of jokingly say you lose 99.9% at every stage, wow. right? So I had a really good settlement this year. I think it was like 275 substrates had settlers on mm. them, and most of them had a lot of settlers on them. And uh, the attrition starts, and you start losing lots of them for all kinds of reasons. Now, I've been intentionally very sloppy the last two years um you know what what can i get away with how 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 many little bugs can be in with the babies you know uh i'm not keeping them sterile Um, next year uh, or this year actually at the end of the year when i get my spawn i'm gonna do this all a little bit differently and pay a little bit more attention to cleanliness uh, or keeping um, potential pests out um, and uh, more with keeping the water turned over and clean and um, experiment with some dips on some babies. Wow. Because I think, I think a lot of things, a lot of little critters are going to annoy your coral, your baby coral. And I think that's why I have such high attrition. It also could be feeding um, that I have high attrition. I mean, I, as I say that I probably still have, you know, 400 babies you know so it's not like there's nothing there but um you know am i overfeeding am i underfeeding am i feeding too much am i not turning the water over quick enough if you know there's just a million questions um and i've been trying to do it as dirty as possible to see what i can get away with um to find a reasonable level of 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 um, OCD kind of behavior.
0: So when you're talking about pests, you're talking about like your natural uh, predators for acros, like acro-weeding flatworm, parasitic copepods, um, pathogenic uh, uh, bacteria, all of the above.
1: Yeah. And I'm even looking at like ciliates and, you know, little tiny uh, copepods and amphipods
0: Mm. and,
1: um, um, you know, um, uh, 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 worms, all kinds of that microscopic stuff that you really start to see when you're looking at babies a lot. Um, so I'm even going to dip, I'm going to dip the substrates before they go into the spawning, uh, system and all the water going into the, sp- in, into the settling system, um, is going to be filtered as it comes in. What, uh, I'm not going to go crazy filter, but I'm going to filter it. What, what,
0: what would you be using as a dip?
1: Um, I'm, pr- I am looking at potassium chloride really lovingly, just potassium chloride. Um, I love KCL. Yeah, I. Uh, you're one of the the, 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 the uh, I look at your page about that to go. What really? What? How much am I supposed to use of this? <laughs> um, so I'm doing some weird stuff with potassium chloride as well as an in-tank, acro eating flatworm treatment. In-tank. Um, in-tank. Oh, do uh, tell. But but I, I'm just going to float that because I I, I feel like it's promising, uh. But I don't have enough to say that it's really anything yet.
0: All right, so um, you don't want to like get into it.
1: Well, I, I, You squirt some of it on there and see what happens. Um, you know, I, so I've I, I've had some success. I turn off all the flow. I mix up the potassium chloride. I didn't even look at how how mixed I was making it. Um, it's roughly what you do, probably a little more, yeah. and then I use a little pipette. Yep. You know, a little glass of coral. That one I have. You know, the little plastic ones sometimes you yep. get. And I don't I don't blast the coral. I drop it on the coral. I let it kind of settle on the yep. coral and hope the density doesn't make it just pour off. And I've had some... I mean, I've looked under the microscope. It absolutely kills the flatworms. Yep. Um, and when I base them a few minutes later in the tank, I've seen some dead flatworms come off. Um, I'm actually worried now that I'm ahead enough of the flatworms that... I'm not going to be able to test this anymore, Um, but we'll see. But I'm liking the potassium chloride. The corals don't seem to care at all. No, uh,
0: it it seems to be very gentle. I mean, I've done potassium chloride dips for um, weekly for months on frags and um, maybe lost one or two frags. So it's, it's gentle.
1: I'd love to be able to. And again, I want to test it. I want to make sure it's killing the things i want it to kill if it's not killing them i don't care but how great it would be to just bomb the entire thing after settlement Mm. kill off everything do 100 percent water change real quick and move along right um so that's that's what i that's what i'm hoping yeah
0: um a couple more questions in the chat uh getting back to uh, messiah mitra if you could control coral spawning does it mean you can let them spawn more than once a year
1: uh, it looks like they need six to eight months to develop their gametes. So mm, probably not. Um, the work on, on gametogenesis, it's called, you know, is, 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 is behind the spawning work. So uh, I, I'm sure gaps of that knowledge will get filled in as we go. And, and I want to say... Right, There's a lot of moving parts to this. For each step, there's a lot of moving parts to this. Uh, And it's taken me all this time to be able to kind of conceive it in a way that makes some kind of sense to tell people. So I think it's real important if you're interested in this at this point in time to – read Jamie's paper and watch Jamie's talks and watch my talks and see anything that Carrie says and read the Spawning Nights articles from Coral Magazine. I think it was 2021, January. Um, And see what everyone's doing and go back to the, and and look at the page that I'm putting together and go back to it over and over again. It's, there's a lot going on. And each step is its own world of terror and awfulness and, (laughs) Um, and skills. So, um, you know, don't jumping right into it. You can do it. Meckley's jumped right into it. And he's, that's crazy. And it's awesome. So you can do it but, uh, that way. But you can also give yourself a huge break. You know, so what's the Sanjay method for this year? Well, great. I've given Sanjay another damn method. Um, <laughs> the Sanjay thing is he just wants, and it's the same thing that I'm doing. I just want to see if I can get my display to spawn. Oh, that's what you asked. Do you have to be up at night yeah. to watch the spawn? The beauty of the of having all of the parameters that you care about being controlled by one controller, the Apex in this case, is that if I want the spawn to happen on my schedule a month or two before the projected spawn, I just make sunset to be at, if I make sunset in my tanks to be at noon, the spawn's going to happen at 2.30. Oh. Right? I don't do it that way. I have the sunset be about 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, actually.
0: And then the spawn's at 7.30. So lights are out at
1: 4.30? Lights are out at 4.30. And uh, the tanks are covered up before sunset, right, for the two or three months before the spawn, not not the whole year. Um, and the reason why I have mine go off at 730 in November and December is because the real sun has been down for 45 minutes at that point. So I can open everything up and I'm not worried about light pollution. Right. <clears throat> if, if I did it at two o'clock, I would have to these windows next to me here. I would have to black out um, so I could do the work I needed to do. Right. No reason not to do that if, if you don't want to.
0: Um, Sturgis Reef
1: I mean if you want to,
0: if you okay. want to. Um, Sturgis Reef is asking Is spawning still likely to happen If you only <clears throat> adjust the moon sun cycles And not the temperature I don't know
1: <laughs> um, My brain is going That I, I want the temperature In place so Gametogenesis happens And then um, Then I'll just Make sure the months That the moon phases are doing what they're doing and you know, on the display tank because it's the first time, and I want it to succeed, I will probably uh, shift the timing on that. So um, on the main tank, so the spawn happens, you know, eight o'clock at night. So the so I don't have to actually cover the whole thing if I don't want to. So you, I hope that I hope that made sense. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> so you mentioned uh, Meckley, Chris Meckley from ACI, and um, so you're you're working with Acropora. And he has successfully spawned uh, Acanthophilia.
1: Yeah, he got spawned that. And so did Kerry. Cool stuff. With with Gravids, right? Gravids definitely gives you a leg up uh, because you don't have to wait as long. But you got to get Gravids and hope they're Gravids and hope they're shipped well and, you know, hope they adapt well and, uh, you know, it, it Definitely can work, so it's
0: great. Is that going to be a whole other industry, a whole other business in terms of Gravitz, being able to purchase Gravitz?
1: I don't think so. No. It's... Because uh, I, I, we don't need it. Um, yeah, I think hobbyists don't need to do that. You, you can... You can set it up, hopefully. You know, we'll see this year. Um, you know, I've got strawberry shortcakes I'm going to try to spawn. Cool. And... Um, Boy, oh, boy, it's a lot easier to get them in January or February uh, when they aren't full of eggs and let them adapt and hopefully, you know, go through gametogenesis in the next months here. Um, That's that's a lot less stressful on the coral, in my opinion.
0: So so, Rich, I mean, I think um, my one big question is, you know, why is this so important? I think the one obvious answer is because, um, what's going out, <clears throat> what's going on in our wild reefs, right? In terms of bleaching events and, and, um, you know, sustainability can, can that continue along as, as we, you know, have been, uh, you know, seeing in terms of importing corals and, and mariculture, wild, what have you, I know there's uh, certain bans going on, and Indo is back in place in terms of that ban, but uh, there's going to be some Solomon Island imports, and and, uh, Fiji has just opened up, so that's all good news, but um, why should the hobbyists be um, excited about spawning coral in their um, display tank? Other than that, uh, you know, they can claim that they got corals to spawn. You know, I think it, you know, it sounds like it's a long road ahead in terms of actually being able to successfully spawn and then raise those corals. But are there other reasons that are um, really intriguing for the home hobbyist to do that? Can a home hobbyist, you know, do a, a spawn and come up with a, a new kind of a coral that um, sure. has not been out there before? Sure.
1: We you know, it's it, you know, uh hopefully we'll have, you know, like Juggalo Acropora and uh, Ice Storm Acropora, and, <laughs> Juggalo you know, Acropora, long-tailed, you know, Acropora, you know, those are all clownfish, You're talking clownfish names, yeah. you know. Um uh you know, some of them are hybridized. We think uh Acropora at least is pretty plastic, so maybe a lot of them will hybridize. You know, I'm going to make soup with some of, I, I might have three species spawning this year. Uh, I will definitely do a bucket of soup with all three gametes, and then kind of see what happens. Um, but yeah, uh, and also any 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 way that any of us figure out to make the process easier, faster, more robust uh, is good for everybody. Um, and also, you know, I guess you know, maybe I'm appealing to you know the 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 slice of the hobby that. Um, is a little bit insane, more insane than the rest of the hobby. You know, it's the same kind of people who are doing the fish breeding and, you know, you know, only a crazy person like Matt Peterson is going to try to spawn, you know, orange spotted file fish. <laughs> only a crazy person like Todd Gardner is going to do rain percularis. You know, it's, it's really cool and interesting. Um, and every hobby with all animals always ends up breeding. It's always a thing you mm-hmm. do. It, 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 It shows that the animals are healthy. It shows that we understand them better. Um, And it's frigging cool, man. It's just insane. Ten years ago, the idea of having a successful synchronous spawn that led to actual baby coral in your house, you know, you would have been looked at like you were crazy. And in, in less than ten years, we're doing it. And that's really cool. It's not for everyone. I mean, that's a a really, um, I think, an important point that I'm trying to nail home about the hobby. Um, Everyone's hobby is particular to them, right? If if you just want to have some corals that you like and you kind of mess around with and see what they're doing, you don't need to do any crazy system. You can just do bare bones, easy peasy, and enjoy what you've got. And from there, you can go as complicated and complex as you want to. Um you know, will will coral spawning get folks to spawn to try to make money to sell the babies? Mm. Sure. Sure. I'm okay with that. Um, uh, I, I would I, I, I'm very excited about people doing it just cause. yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, it was the same with fragging. It was like you know, that was not really understood when we all started with that and it just, you know, you know, microfragging became a thing, uh, you know, because a paper was published at it. But the hobby had been doing it for 15 years. So that kind of stuff is really exciting to me. And I think there's a lot of smart people in this hobby coming at it from different directions. So the more folks do it, the more information we can get and the easier it can be for everybody.
0: Yeah. And even like the grafting of corals is a, is a pretty cool thing, you know, and, and people fair. are taking it uh, to that next level, too, which is uh, is, is pretty neat. And, and um, yeah, listen, man, I think uh, anything that we can do to help the sustainability of this uh, this hobby and, um, you know, link up with science and, and and try to, like, learn stuff as a uh, as a community. And if we could help the scientific community or vice versa, more power to us. Right.
1: Yes. One hundred percent more power to us. I do think we we want to. I want wild collection to be more sustainable and more responsible because I think that's got a lot of, it does a lot of good in the world. It, it, it makes those resources, um, more precious. People want to save them more because they're getting something out of them rather than subsistence fishing. Um, but I would also like to see it,
0: you know, be more responsible and more sustainable. Is it possible? to um that spawns can be induced in the wild to help reefs recover from bleaching events? Is that something that can potentially, you know, work? Or is it just tough well, because of uh not, not being able to control all the uh variables?
1: Well if if the corals have bleached before spawning time, we might have a real problem getting I mean can, can to you bring adult. in
0: though like uh you know replant uh corals in, in those uh bleaching zones and potentially induce spawning?
1: Yes. Well, you you would you would get new corals in there and then let them mature up and spawn on their own. Um, there would be no reason. You wouldn't need to induce them because the, the natural world will do it itself. Right. Um, but the issue is with that is, it's the same issue as with all coral restoration. Um, if the corals could grow there, they would be. If the corals are dying there there's a problem that's got nothing to do with the corals um so you know you know somebody made a a, 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 if an orphanage is on fire the response can't be to put kids in different kind of fireproof pajamas and push them back into the orphanage it's you know it that's not a good way to deal with a fire um so the reason coral scientists are working on restoration is because they're coral scientists, and that's what they know how to do. They know how to work with coral. They 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 don't want to be working on restoration. <laughs> they, you know, but you know, coral scientists have got really no ability to help to deal with cor- with with runoff or other you know human made impacts to the reefs. So it's it's uh, all the coral researchers I know who are doing restoration, you know, know. You know, that we're trying to do something insane uh, and we know what the problem is, but it's very hard to get any traction on actually fixing the problem.
0: Is there any risk to um, us doing coral spawning in our uh, home aquaria to the uh, wild reefs in nature? I mean, creating these crazy variants and and uh, um, somehow that... Um you know is has a negative impact on the environment i mean is, is is that um possible like you know i guess there's uh you know stuff that happens where you get invasive uh, species or uh, people have um fish that get released from their freshwater aquariums into um ponds or lakes or what have you, you know, it just messes up the environment i mean is that something that's even like remotely possible with spawning corals and the different variants that we can potentially create
1: i only if somebody puts them out into the wild, you know. There's always the danger, and this happens in Florida from time to time. I hear about you know schools of purple and yellow tang in Florida, hmm. um, you know. And most bangai cardinals are are in the wild are not from the area where they're endemic. They're you know uh, from different places in the straits. So uh, um, there's always a danger of of messing up the wild world. Um, and I used to be really staunch about, you know, if you release your pets into the wild, you're a jackass. And I still kind of think that that's true. Yeah. Um, and at some point, though, scientists will scientists will probably let go of that. And you know, when all the corals die in the Caribbean, and there's you know there's no more stony coral, you know, why why not release um, corals from other parts of the world there just to try to get something going? But you know mucking with ecosystems has all kinds of unintended consequences yeah. but but we may get there man you know if the great barrier reef bleaches again hard this year and then bleaches again hard next year you know that's not good yeah no. i mean that's really not no. good the the problem with the bleaching is that there's fewer and fewer parent colonies to spawn and repopulate the reef um that's that's uh that's not good. We should talk about something else cuz I'll get all I'll get all
0: depressed. <laughs> right, that's what the uh, the coral biobank is all about, right? They're they're trying right. to collect um, you know, acropore from from um, you know, that that are um, um natural uh, part of the, uh, the 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 reefs out there that are endemic to the uh, to the reefs out there, but they I think the the plan was also to collect corals from uh, from hobbyists.
1: Uh, yeah, eventually. um I think so. You need to. There's an issue with pathogens. I mean, that's the real. And besides the the naughtiness that invasive species do themselves, they can also bring disease. Um, you know, but but the work that's being done to freeze coral sperm and eggs and even planula, once that gets figured out, you know, we're in we're in better shape to have a bank. Uh, you know, we don't, a living bank is hard. Um, a frozen bank is a lot easier. So I, I, am feeling good about that direction. I, what, I, what I'm seeing people do seems really, uh, inspiring and successful.
0: Um, Northwest scapes has an interesting question. What about like, um, non photosynthetic LPS, like dendros, you know, how uh, easy are they to spawn?
1: You know, I don't know in the display tank. I have three species of tubastria that there are babies all over the place in my tank from all three species. Um, the dendros never seen a baby dendro, the Javania never seen a baby Javania. So I'm not sure what's going on in there. Um, and I'm not sure, uh, if I have the capacity in my tiny little lab here, although my wife has made some insane ideas for me cause she loves me. Um, you know, of, of, paying attention to that um you know there's there's several places i could put more tanks and it might be nice to put nps in there and actually get an idea of when they actually spawn versus
0: when they just release planula gotcha um one thing we didn't talk about rich is uh water parameters are there any um key water parameters besides temperature that the uh, home hobbyist should be aware of (laughs)
1: I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Um, you know, my, these, these babies are now in phosphate of 0. 0.9, <laughs> you know, and they, they spawned, it was 0. 0.6, 0. 0.5, something like that. Um, nitrates like 30. So, nitrate's you know, 30. Yeah. Just, just reasonable. For me, those are, you know, the nitri- the phosphate's a little high, but that was part of an experiment. Um, I just let it get high again. And the, uh, The display looks as bomber as it's ever looked. Um, uh, Some of the Acros even look better than they have, you know, than in the last six months. That could be from other things as well. Um, So whatever you think is reasonable to you, you know, um, you know, is, is reasonable, you know, all, you know, you want your pH to be at a decent pH. You want, you know, your calcium at a decent and you want your, you know, just regular reef parameters. Of course, whatever, what what that means is something different to everybody. Right. I I don't care so much about nitrate and phosphate and I can't see a real compelling reason to care for me, Mm, for me.
0: Right. ICP testing, not really a factor.
1: I don't, I don't do it so often. Um, now that I'm messing around with uh, potassium additions, I thought the other day um, I should probably get a baseline of potassium and check that to make sure I don't go crazy with yeah. it. Um, and uh, I think the easy I think the data shows that potassium is a pretty good uh, ICP candidate. Yeah. Um, also, the amount of potassium in the water means that the ICP should be more the plus minus of that should be smaller. Because it's a bigger amount in the water, um, but that, that otherwise, otherwise, I haven't done an ICP in a long time.
0: Interesting. Um, Messiah uh, Mitra is asking another question. Do we know anything about how long those sperm and eggs are still usable? It would be nice if people could store them and exchange them, so there would be more genetic variety. Hmm. Yeah, there's
1: cryopreservation is the is is the way to go with that. Um, you know, it's not like. You know, the sperm and eggs after 24 hours are not going to be anything anymore. Um, but if we can cryopreserve them, it's great. If we can cryopreserve the, the planula, that would be even better. Because then I would just ship you in the mail, you know, a flat of preserved um, planula, and you would just settle them at your end, and away we go. We have shipped uh, them live. We FedEx them. They do pretty well. Huh. Um, so we you can ship planula around. Um, probably better to ship them than to ship newly settled corals. Gotcha. But yeah, but if you know, how cool would it be to go? You know, to order up. You know, I want I want sperm from the O2 you know, from, from the twenty twenty three spawn of the Hyacinthus, and I want eggs from the twenty twenty seven. And uh, mm, what a delicious bouquet.
0: <laughs> I'd, I'd love That'd i'd love great. to see a spawn with a uh with a uh, organ blue tort and a Tyree purple monster that would be pretty cool that would be uh, good oh purple monster
1: i haven't seen any purple monster out here it's one of my
0: favorites oh well I you know we I, well i have one dude oh yeah. well we'll yeah, talk we'll have to talk <laughs> Of course, I'm getting out of the shipping business, but you know, I, I, I know yeah, well, we could... I'll make it worth your while, <laughs> whatever
1: that means. That sounded so dirty and I don't mean it to me.
0: Um, Just don't ship from Vermont. Laugh out loud. Yeah. Right. Um, did we talk about food for raising the embryos?
1: Yeah. Food. We didn't talk about it, but food, food's another thing. Um, and uh, I want to look at that more closely this year. Uh, if I can, um, you know, like I talked about, you, you lose a lot at every stage or you can lose a lot at every stage and I've been sloppy on purpose. Um, so I use, um, a lot of powdered foods. Um, I like golden pearls a lot from, uh, brine shrimp direct. I think, uh, golden pearls, we used to <laughs> use that, you know, a lot back in the day. Uh, but it's still produced and I love to feed my corals that, and it comes in all different sizes so that's good, and um, you know, Bene pets and Ben I guess it's bana reef, and um, the um, reefroids. Yeah. Uh, I use that. Uh, I like to use live algae. Um, I was. Uh, I didn't. I don't think I fed enough early on this year, uh, but basically, I'm I'm making a soup of foods and some amino acids and hoping. Um, I want to try to be a little bit more better at that next year but i think i also need the system to be more easily flushable. is
0: this a um a do-it-yourself fish slash coral food or is this strictly a coral food what is what you're the concoction you're talking about in terms of adding all those uh, types of food for the corals
1: Those are just for the corals. I'm not sure I understand your question, though.
0: I guess the question is, do you have fish in that tank? Are you just kind of using uh, the uh, all that stuff uh, as a kind of a fish food that the corals would benefit from, or is it a fishless uh, system?
1: I just recently added some fish in there. I added a pink streak grass and a dragon face pipefish because there were lots of bugs jumping around all over everything, and those two fish seemed like uh, good candidates for picking at stuff. Um, but yeah, no, I'm uh, usually I don't have any fish in with them at all. It's just corals until they're ready to move out. And then I move them out um, into a tank with uh, no snails in it because the way the snails move across the substrate, oh. you know, they just rip every, everything just gets plowed out. Um, so I, I wait for them to have some branches on them. So they're a thing that the snails have to avoid.
0: How do you avoid algae in the uh, in, in those tanks where you're raising the, the embryos? Uh, the, I don't worry about it for the first month. Um, so there's no light,
1: so I'm not okay. worried, but, um, the co culturing of, uh, troca snails or, uh, tuxedo urchins, um, that's really the way to go. Um, which changes how you do some other things. Cause if you have, you know, two millimeter mm-hmm. urchins, um, you have yeah. to not use pumps. You need to use air. And that's fine. That's easy enough, um, which I'll do next this coming year. Um, and then I usually try to find anybody who's producing urchins and try to see if I can get them to sync up a, an urchin spawn for me um, so I can get them at the time I need. I, I did a bad job of that this year um, and got them late uh, and a little bit bigger. Um, but then I tried a new kind of urchin, uh, with Todd Gardner from Biota. Um, he sent them to me and we did a quick test on them and they seem not to, uh, they seem to be useful as well. Um, and not eat the baby coral, but I want to be more robust with them next year. They came late in the season, so I don't really know what's going on with them, but they seem not to eat the babies and that's pretty great because they have a shorter, a shorter, um, um, larval period than the um,
0: than the tuxedos gotcha. do. Gotcha. Um, so quick question from Stubby Acro in terms of the uh, the feeding. Uh, are you broadcast or target feeding the corals? Yes. Both?
1: Both. And again, I don't know. Um, I don't, you know, are they getting enough food from the broadcast? Are they getting too much food and getting smothered from the, you know, from the target? I, I don't know the answers to this. Um, I think this year I started feeding late. Um, so I have a plan for that for next year to start earlier um, with like live algae and live rotifers to not follow the water so much. Um, but that, you know, like I was saying, I've been trying to do it as easy and as simply as possible. Yeah. And, and, and to find that, you know, you know, I've got, I've got, I've got real corals. From last year's spawn. You know, they're they're you know That's so cool. Almost almost three inches. That's so
0: cool. Um
1: and that was, you know, as schlocky and as lazy as I could make it last year. Uh so I'm hoping I'm hoping paying a little bit more attention now will up the survivorship.
0: Do, um, do you have any uh, named corals that you've been able to spawn or the corals that you've spawned, do you have no idea what they are in terms of um, legacy corals? I mean, obviously, you know, yeah. the uh, the, the, uh, the species, I assume, but. Um...
1: Yeah, I, I don't really. Yeah, the strawberry shortcake is going to be the first thing that I'm trying. And part of the reason is I know I can get wild. I can get because they need to be genetically different. So I'm going to get a few more of those, hopefully soon. Um, thanks uh, thanks to Unique Corals. They've been very helpful for me. It's a pain in the butt to get Gravids. So I think Gravids as a as a uh, as something hobbyists are going to buy. I don't think people are going to want to pay for that is really the answer. Um, but no, so Shortcake will be the first thing I've done. Uh, I'm kind of legacy corals name corals. I'm a little nervous about because I have no idea if they're genetically different, yeah. you know, is, is all the purple monster you have the same coral, I don't know. And, uh, to spend a bunch of money on a bunch of named corals to hope isn't what I'm going to do right now, but that's a cool thing. Somebody
0: else should do. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, if you get their tank to spawn, you got a bunch of name corals in the tank. Um, I don't know. I guess. I guess, uh, like we were talking about before, there's going to be uh, variants. so it, it might be kind of hard to tell, right? Yeah, and you know, some of these. Um, I haven't taken good pictures of the Millipora from last year.
1: Some of them got some really interesting looking colors oh, going you on. You spawned some milies. Uh, yeah, last the last nice, couple of years they did milies. Nice. Uh, I've done milies and hyacinthus.
0: Milies are like my favorite. Uh,
1: yeah, traditionally they've done terribly for me in my tanks. They're tough uh, coral. They're doing great. They're doing great this year, so I don't know what I don't know what I did differently this year to make them all happier. Um, but those babies are coming, uh, and I should be able to distribute some of them soon. I'm very excited about sending out, getting getting some of these out of my my basket and out into other baskets.
0: Uh, Mechley is saying, "Is your cockwasser dosing, Richard? I I, uh, I hear the dos singing."
1: <laughs> oh, no. Um, so I am. I did install caulk again. I started putting caulk back mostly because I've been traveling and had calcium reactor issues while I'm traveling that are hard to troubleshoot while I'm gone. So I have caulk up now so I can ramp up the caulk if something bad happens to the uh, calcium reactor, right? But so that answers half of Chris's question. The other half is no, there's a dose up here these two tanks here uh, that the babies are in, these tubs, yeah. um, there is no good way for me to get a gravity drain on them. So I have the dose running. Why it's so loud is it's running at the max every day, pulling water from the main system into here, into the babies, and then pulling water out of here, putting it back in yeah. the main system. So that that was the noise. And I just I just put a box around that thing to make it quieter because <laughs> my wife went. You said that was only going to be here for a couple oh, months, and it's been five. <laughs> um, so I wanted to experiment with the box. If uh, if she's unhappy with the box, I'll move the pump under the house. I mean, that's the great thing about
0: being in you know, California.
1: The, a, a dose as well is that you can you can put it really far away. I'm nervous that it's not enough water exchange when I flood feed, though. So. I have to think about that some more.
0: Um, Sammy31D, no pictures of his spawning. Yeah, you know, um, do you have any pictures? Oh.
1: Yeah, there's lots of pictures. Are there on, a, uh, uh, on that on that page that we linked? There will be lots of pictures going on that page. Okay. Uh, they're not there yet. But uh, you can look at my YouTube. What is my YouTube? Seth Head? I think that's who yeah. I am.
0: That's who you are. Oh, jeez.
1: Oh, jeez. Seth Head. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you go there. There's a playlist of coral spawning, and there's there's videos and stuff. And currently, most of the stills are on the Facebook
0: page, but they're they're going onto the website. I should have grabbed some of those for the uh, for the show. But all right, yeah, check out Sephead on YouTube and yeah. um, the uh, coral spawning resource page. Five years from now, Rich, what is your prediction in terms of the percentage of corals in the reef keeping trade that will be produced via spawning? Five years
1: from yeah. now, I, I, I would be surprised if it was more than 10 percent. Uh, I'd be th- wonderfully surprised if it was more than 10 percent. But I think 10 percent ish or below, that's possible given the people, all the people I know who are working on stuff in the trade. Right. Research is a different kettle of fish. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think it's the way to go. And it may be. The smart way to do it is to, you know, for things like acros, for branching stonies, not, you know, not the single polyp stuff, is to do what I'm doing here, which is, you know, spawn them, then let them grow out for a year or two, and then treat them just like their their broodstock for um, fragging. Yep. Snippy, snip, snip. Yep, yep.
0: Now, this is really cool stuff, man. I mean, there's just so much to, um, I guess, to learn, and, and you've been doing it for a very long time, and it sounds like. You know, there's still a lot of unknowns in your head in terms of, you know, the uh, best practices for this stuff. But obviously you've learned a lot.
1: Thank you. And, yeah, and, you know, I'm not even sure what Jamie Craggs is doing now. I'm not really sure what Carrie uh, O'Neill is doing now. Um, I haven't had the time to go out and see them during their spawning, uh, you know, and even if they'd have time to let me be there just to fly on the wall and watch processes and things like that. Um, so there's, there's, there's a a lot of researchers doing some work and I'm sure everyone's got their own pluses and minuses. Um, you know, I'd love, I'd love to get together with some people, you know, with those two, because they're, I think they're doing it closer to what hobbyists would do and really go, okay, you know, and sit around and have a meal and go, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Um, You know, and Rebecca Albright, too. So, yeah, I think I'm the only one who's bouncing the babies. And it just seems so much easier uh, than any other way I've dealt with the babies. Um, But maybe we figured out now that you don't have to do anything. You just leave them. So, you know, there's all kinds of stuff going on. Yeah, there is so much to learn uh, still. um, And that's why I want more more hobbyists doing it. The more you guys and people, the more you folks out there do it, the more crazy chances you'll take um that will inform us so please if i can help let me know and if you do something please let me know Um, you know figuring out why you have a spawn if you don't even have moonlights on your system would be really cool to know so you know when did it happen when did you get the corals what time did they go how long have you had them you know, all that kind of even even just that basic information might tell us something.
0: Stubby um, Acro is asking, will you share the details of your setup in that link? Yeah, okay.
1: yeah. Although you know, the the yes, I, yes. I, wh- why I was thinking was because the the setup for the coral for the parent corals is pretty straightforward, but I'll share that for sure. Uh, and then the babies are going to change this year. Um, So I'll actually have no idea if it's actually going to work till after this year, but I think hopefully I'll be breaking this down and moving these babies into a regular system Mm. soon. And then I can take my time building the new system, building the new rack. And that will allow me to take pictures as I'm doing it and be able to explain it more. So that, uh, that was a long way to say yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's my plan at least. Gotcha.
0: Um, all right, folks. So, yeah, I think um, what I'm hearing from Rich is that if uh, if you have any uh, learnings from your coral spawning episodes, then what's the best way for people to reach out to you there, uh, Rich?
1: Uh, they can get um, uh, th- uh, you could email me at
0: I uh, oh, don't give out your forest. email.
1: Oh, OK, you can email me or hit me up on Facebook. Get, there's a million ways to, if you, to get in touch with Rich Ross. Richard Ross online um just get in you know you can go to the reef beef discord or you know wherever and get a hold of me or or email email keith and he'll put you in touch um but yeah please let me know what's going on uh we're we're at such a um such a starting level for this it would be really nice to try to capture as much as we can as people start getting into it
0: um Beckley mentions a, uh, mentioned something interesting. The things you can find in your aquarium water when you look under a microscope during the spawn is pretty cool. Um, I have a microscope. It, it's pretty amazing what you can see using a microscope when you put certain uh, you know critters under there or, or frags or coral or, or what have you. I think that's worth the investment for everybody is to, is to pick up a cheap microscope or something because just the life that you can see under that thing and um i don't know i think uh it's it's just kind of it, it it's a neat thing to have and it's a science thing and and um i don't know where i'm going with this rich but uh <laughs> yeah
1: i and i i, I use the microscope more as a macro lens than as you know i'm not putting anything on a microscope slide with a cover slip and i'm looking at teeny 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 things i'm looking at small things um and i'm using it like it's a camera and the the, the the microscope I like – I don't know if you guys can see this. Can I pull this over here without breaking
0: everything? I like this thing here. Oh, it's got a, this uh, a little the- screen that you can see. Oh, yeah. cool.
1: This is the Tom-love, Um I forget the – I wrote an article about this for Reef Builders, so that's all there if you look up rich microscope Reef Builders. Um, and it's a soldering microscope, so it's made for doing work under it, um, which became like a no-brainer once I realized they existed because – I'm doing work on baby coral. You know, I'm scraping algae and inspecting all the time. Uh, and it's great. It's so much nicer to be able to look down at this big screen than it is to put your eye to an That's eyepiece. That's so cool,
0: man. How, how much would something like that retail for?
1: 250 That's bucks.
0: It? Jesus, man. I spent $500 on my microscope.
1: I know. No. It, it's, it's all, what are you using it
0: for, right? Yeah.
1: And it, t- it takes really great video and it takes okay pictures. Oh
0: man. Um, I'm gonna have to invest in And one it of comes,
1: those. this particular model comes with three different lens sets. <clears throat> so you could do what I'm doing with it. You could do slightly bigger stuff, or you can do real microscope stuff with it with a cover slip. Um, and man, you know, if you just take your some sand out and look, you see one thing. If you take some water, you see a different thing. You take a piece of rock or like a, um, a, a frag plug that's uh, been in your tank for a while, you put that under, you see things that you, you, you're like, what?
0: Yeah, no, I've, um, I've put frags under the uh, microscope and uh, you can see copepods, right? And I have this like black copepod in my systems that, um, you know, I see on acrofrags, but it's not on the acrofrag. It's like on the base of the plug and it's kind of like buzzing around like this little black bug that never is on the skin of the acro so it's not a parasitic copepod but it's it's cool i mean it's it's like all yeah. right yeah, there's another form of life that for some reason is not uh into uh the acros but um
1: dude it but it's it's like a horror show
0: yeah I know, you I know? know i know it's, you see it's, all it's, types it's, of flatworms and all that stuff that's just like
1: yeah it's like it it's like a del toro film it's just like <laughs> insanity happening under your microscope and you're like what is that in fact, I've got some video I need to send around to a couple people because I'm like, I don't know what this is.
0: Um, I know it's like a horror film. It's like, you know, Jesus, man. It's like keeps that'll keep me up at night. Yeah,
1: yeah, all little worms, and it's it's pretty cool. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's, pretty it's definitely cool. worth the for 200 bucks or whatever, uh, 250. That's definitely worth the. I, I might buy one because um, I I uh, always struggle looking into the uh, little uh, um, little uh, little. Uh, little uh, People lenses and what whatnot.
1: Yeah, and you can hook this up with HDMI to your computer or your TV, and you can see things huge. And mine's like two years old. I, there may be a new version out. And there's a version that they uh, this one can be put on a, like this microphone arm. Really? So it doesn't even need a stage. So you can you know you just put it on a table. It's it's Gotta great. Gotta love
0: technology, man. God, it's great. Gotta oh, it's
1: love great. It. We live. We live in the future.
0: <laughs> so, Richman, man, any final words about uh, this topic that uh, you wanted to pass along? Any, any more words of wisdom or insights?
1: I, I think the, the, the couple things I would say I would hit again are don't get overwhelmed with thinking that you have to do the whole thing at once. You know, I had to do that because it was part of a grant and we needed to show that it worked. So I was very invested the first time in making it work. Um, But we are hobbyists. We are not in a research group that needs to get funding. Um, So you can take your time and ease into it. Uh, And then the other thing is there's so much going on. There's like five. I did a quick list and it was either like five or nine different steps, stages. Right? Uh, Getting your coral, synchronous spawn fertilization raising of the embryos right um, uh, raising of your substrates uh, settlement you know the first month of babies and you know so you know I'm, there's just so much don't don't feel like you've got to do it all if you can just change your uh, controller and you know show I'd love to be wrong I'd love you know I know you can put uh, the time and place uh, on a refi light or, or at least Daniel said that that's coming um, or whatever lights you were saying before set it to a schedule and then figure out when the spawning should occur based on that schedule set yourself a window and see if you get a spawn it's a pretty cool thing just to witness yeah. without even without even trying to get babies um, man the first time I saw it I screamed the first exit to spawn I saw The first one we did, um, the, we had a two week window to watch and, um, nothing happened in the two weeks. Mm. Uh, and that, so we stopped paying attention on Saturday. I was working Sunday through Thursday. So I came in the next Sunday and I was like, I'm still going to watch. And they spawned that day. Wow. Right. Nice. So. Just keep plugging at whatever thing. And, and, and I screamed. It was crazy. It was like, it's, it's, what is, it, this is, this, we shouldn't be seeing this. Um, so, yeah, it's super cool just to get that far. And that's the first step, right? People putting the season kind of table information and seeing if they can get any kind of spawn. And, uh, you know, the spawn happens a couple hours, at least for Acropora, Acropora. Couple hours after they start setting, about an hour and a half, two hours after the sunset. So you have to kind of keep that in mind for your head. If if you need to switch, if you need to make that happen earlier in the night for you to be able to have your life, if you're yeah. doing it all through Apex, all you do is just tweak the time, which is really easy. Not through local. Uh, I just did it the other day because, uh, and I'll do it again when daylight saving switches. Um, start with that. Look for babies. Look for eggs when you frag. If you really are excited and you want to get ahead of the game, uh, and you think you're going to try to collect spawn and settle them and raise them, get yourself some, uh, *Pacilopora* or *Pacilopora*, or however you want to say it, *Damocornis*, and um, sequester that thing because they put out babies all the time. Oh uh, man, you get really *Pacilopora*
0: in a tank, man. You can get like you have a tank full of them.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got to scrape some more out, but you can take that. You can put it overnight in a bucket, with, you know, floating in your tank with an air bubbler in it. And in the morning, you can get planula. Almost, It's, it's, it's almost drop-dead easy. My thought would be, if you really want to work with these things, do that right now and start messing around with the planula. They're a lot easier than the Acropora, um, but any experience you get is going to make it easier. So go slow. Or go fast, and if you're going to go fast, I think get all the experience you can, because, you know, otherwise you might get really overwhelmed the first time you try to do anything.
0: And it sounds like patience is also a big thing, and that's that's patience is a great trait for a reef keeper, you know, just uh, yeah. in, in itself. But it sounds like for the spawning process, that you really need to be patient.
1: Yeah. Oh, and Todd crunkle that's not his name, but that's what I call him, Todd. <laughs> um, he keeps. Uh, I think I saw him, his name come up. He keeps up. Uh, I, I took a video this year with my phone on my neck while I was doing the whole process of collecting baby, collecting and and fertilizing, and I'm just gonna put that whole video up. And you can see the whole oh, thing. Nice. So it's like, oh, here's what the hour after spawn was like. Um, and so that I think that will get you to see a whole lot about what's involved in it more than me telling you about it. So, yeah. So that's what I would say. That was a long, long answer to your simple question, <laughs> as you were trying to wrap up, and I won't let you.
0: That's quite all right, dude. Um, so yeah, again, if uh, if you want to, you know, have a re- uh, go to the uh, the resource page. It's it's linked in the um, in the video description as well as it's pinned in the uh, in the chat. So uh, you know, it sounds like Rich is going to be uh, updating that um, periodically. So that that's going to be a, a great resource uh reef beef man you want to plug that
1: yeah check out reef beef uh we do shows reefbeefpodcast.com me and ben johnson it's pretty great
0: cool all right well listen rich man i uh i appreciate you i thank you uh for being on the show again this was a fascinating uh topic and i i learned a lot and hopefully others uh did as well
1: yeah thanks so much for having me and thanks for spending time talking about this because uh, I want it out there. I
0: think the more the more we do it, the cooler it becomes. Yeah, spreading the word, spreading the word. So that's Righteous. that's gonna do it for this show. I want to thank Rich again for being on the live stream. Also, want to thank both Bulk Reef Supply and EcoTech Marine for sponsoring the live stream, and uh, I also want to thank Paul, who is a moderator as well as the president of the Boston Reefers Society. Please join and support your local reefing clubs. They are so important to this hobby. Also want to let you know that all episodes of Wrap on the Reef Bum are available as podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Amazon. My next Wrap on the Reef Bum live stream will be on Tuesday, February 27th, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. My guest will be Ben Johnson from Captive Aquatic Ecosystems as well as Reef Beef.
1: The name sounds so familiar. Yeah, doesn't
0: it? It, uh, uh, He's been on before, I believe. uh, (laughs) um, You can check out the full upcoming schedule of guests on ReefBum.com under the YouTube section. Until next time, be safe, be well. Later.